Welcome to the Audit Bytes podcast with your host, Robert Berry, where we talk about touchy auditing topics in bite-sized chunks. Whether you're just starting out in auditing or you're a seasoned professional, you'll find something of value here. Tell all of our fellow auditors. You can find us live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting platforms. Tune in and join us for a thought-provoking and informative look at the world of auditing. Hey, what's happening, friends? Welcome to episode number 36 of Audit Bites. Five reasons your recommendations don't matter. Now, I know I probably just triggered some long-term auditors with that. So before we get started, let me remind you that Audit Bites is the first live show talking about internal auditing. So if you like me and you like what I do and you like seeing this show, don't keep it a secret. Tell all your friends. By the way, while we are here and you are telling all of your friends, I want you to do me another favor. I want you to go over to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's a little messy right now because I'm still learning YouTube, but we're cleaning this thing up. You're going to find this show, the Friday Froster Show, and some special clips that you can't find anywhere else. So let's get into it. Today's topic, five reasons your audit recommendations don't matter. And if you know me, you know I've got to start it off with a story. So let me take you back into dreamland, back when Robert was a child. I know that's kind of hard to imagine, right? I was probably a bad kid is what you're thinking. But when I was a kid, we spent a lot of time playing outside. And one game we liked to play was football, but there wasn't a lot of grass, so we played football in the street. Now, I know some of you are thinking, football in the street? That's kind of crazy. Well, it was just touch football. So, you know, it wasn't too bad. It was just touch football. But I remember one time we were playing, and they sent me long for a pass. I was going, running, running, running. I caught the ball, and then I fell in the street. No big deal. It was a touchdown, so I was happy. I got up, scraped the dirt off myself, and we kept playing. And the more we played, the more tired we got. But then all of a sudden, one of my friends looked over at me, and he said, Hey, Rob, your wrist is swollen and red. Ooh. Now, there's nothing like having a swollen wrist. If you've ever had a swollen wrist before, how does that feel? Anybody ever broken any bones in your body? I've broken quite a few fingers, and then I broke this hand or this hand. I can't remember which one because it was so long ago. But my friend looked at me, and he said, your wrist is swollen and red. And I didn't feel a thing, so I felt no pain. So what did I do? I stopped, right, and went home to check on my wrist. No, no, of course not. I'm a guy. course I kept playing. So my wrist was swollen and red and I didn't feel anything but I continued to play. So a little while further into the game my friend said hey your wrist is really swollen and red. Perhaps you should run some cold water over it. So that was his suggestion run some cold water over it. I said okay well you know Maybe that could work. So we stopped the game. We ran some cold water over my wrist. We were kids now. I know that sounds stupid. We were kids. Ran some cold water over my wrist. And 
I still didn't feel a thing. I was like, hey, there's nothing wrong because I don't feel a thing. Kept playing a little bit more and he said, hey, your wrist is even bigger because now it's about the size of a grapefruit. Maybe, just maybe you should go see the doctor because it's possible that you got bit by a spider while we were playing football. That made sense to me. The day was over. The game was over. So we stopped playing. I went home. My mom saw my swollen wrist and immediately took me to the doctor. Now, now, now. You're probably thinking, what in the world does that have to do with auditing and people talking about issues? Miss Kelsey, how are you this morning? Gabe, good to see you here, my friend. Clarence, it is always good to see you here, my man. You, you support me so much, and, you know, I love that, man. Gabe wants to know, is this live or is it a dream? Gabe, it is both, my friend. I am live and you are dreaming. Hopefully you're having sweet dreams. Now, Shree, did I share my cheese balls when I was a kid? No, and I refuse to share them as an adult, too. You should already know the answer to that. So, okay. So listen, you all. I was playing football, hurt my wrist, and had a friend recommend to me that because my wrist was red and swollen, that I go see a doctor because possibly I was having an allergic reaction from a bite from a bug being outside. And you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with auditing? Because when we audit people, we do something similar to what my friend did. Think about it. We come in and we evaluate organizations and we look at these processes. We gather some data and we draw some conclusions. We either say, hey, this was right or this was wrong. So let me explain what I mean by that. A lot of people think that all auditors do is find what's happening wrong in an organization. If you are only looking for wrong, you need to get out of the field. Here's what our job is. We are called assurance providers, meaning that we're providing people with some sort of assurance that one of two things is happening. Either A, things are working just the way we want them to work, or B, they are not working the way we want them to work. So if you go in and audit something and you find nothing, that is actually still a good thing because you fulfilled your role as an assurance provider. You've given someone reasonable assurance that things are okay. But here's what we do. Here's how we construct our communications with people. So we find an issue. There's something wrong, right? Here are the components of an issue. We find that something is wrong. So we say, here's what's wrong. Here's the issue. Then we tell people what the impact or the effect might be because of that issue. Then we turn around and make a recommendation to people. And then they turn around and tell us what the action plan was. So now let me take you back to the playground that day when I was playing football and how that relates. You see, the issue was my wrist was swollen. Initially, it was just a little swollen. And so my friend said, hey, here's an issue. And I didn't listen to him. I kept playing football. And then he looked again and made the observation again and said, hey, here's an issue. Now your wrist is the size of a grapefruit. And then I said, you know, It'll be OK because I can't feel a thing. And so the impact, though, was that I could have been bit by a spider. I could have had a broken wrist. Something was wrong. So my friend made a recommendation, two of them, if you recall the story. The first recommendation, why don't you run your wrist over cold water? That should help you out. Then the second recommendation he made was, why don't you go to the doctor? Because 
maybe you've gotten bit by a spider. And so my action plan was when I got home, my mother saw this and she actually took me to the doctor. Now, here's what ended up happening to me that day. I had a sprained wrist and I probably made it worse by continuing to, pr to play. So my wrist was swollen and I had to wear a cast for about six weeks and it was summertime and I like to swim. So the big impact was I didn't get a chance to swim that summer because I had a cast on my wrist. Oh, gone it. But my point being, my friend saw the issue. We knew what the impact could have been. Maybe I was bit by a spider. Maybe I broke a bone. Now, my friend's recommendation was probably pointless because first the recommendation was run some cold water over it. The second recommendation was, why don't you go see a doctor? But the most important part was that they identified an issue. So auditors, when I say your recommendations don't matter, this is why they don't matter. They simply don't. The issue is the most important piece. But for those of you who haven't been triggered sufficiently and you think that this is still the way you need to write reports, I'm going to run through five reasons why your recommendations truly don't matter. If you didn't get it from that story, hang on tight. We'll give you five really good reasons. OK, if you're ready for the reasons, if you're ready for the reasons, type ready into the chat for me so that I know that you're ready. If you're ready for the reasons, type ready into the chat. So my man, Gabe, you want to know if this is a dream or if this is the real Robert. For those of you who don't know what Gabe is referring to, I'm pretty doggone good with AI. I have AI characters that I create of myself and others, AI voices, all kinds of things. I help auditors create video audit reports using artificial intelligence. So if that's something that you need, give me a call. By the way, if you like the way I'm conducting this show, this is similar to the way I do my training sessions. I will tell you by far, I'm one of the best audit trainers out there. It's not me bragging. Other people will tell you the same. So if you need training for your auditors, let's go. Give me a call. We can discuss what it is your auditors need training on and we can conduct training sessions for you. Now, Clarence is ready. Mansoor, hey man, I didn't see you here. You snuck in. Mansoor is ready. And my man Shafundu, ready? Shafundu, congratulations on the new job, man. You know if you need anything from me, I'm only a call away. You know that. And my man from Barbados is ready. Corey. Is that you, Corey, behind the Barbados IIA chapter? I think that is Corey. Gabe, yeah, man, your recommendations are invalid. <laughs> all right, all right. So since I see that my friends are ready, let's go through the five reasons that your audit recommendations don't matter. And the first reason is unsolicited advice appears intrusive. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Do you have that one family member that's always telling you what you should do with your time or your money or your attention? That one drunk uncle, hey, you know what you need to do with all that money you're making now? You need to invest in crypto, although that might not have been bad advice back in the day. But we all have that one relative that is telling us what we should do with our money or with our time or with something. And how do we feel about that? Don't we feel like they should just shut up? Now, I know what you're thinking, but I'm just here to help the company. 
I really am a good person and I just want to help. While I know that's what we believe, that's not how we're perceived. Let me say that again. While I know that's what we believe, that's not how we're perceived. You see, the people that we're auditing perceive us to be intrusive upon their daily work. Think about it. We spend time talking to them, asking them questions, taking them away from the job that they should be doing. And so we appear intrusive. But why do we appear intrusive? We appear intrusive for a few reasons. The first is our relationship with them is not strong enough. And for some people, it may never be. But if your relationship isn't strong enough with your audit clients, your recommendations are going to feel and appear intrusive. Think about the crazy uncle I just said that you all have that tries to give you unsolicited advice. If he gets on your nerve and he's your family, imagine what advice from a stranger feels like. Now, I'm going to give a minute to let that sink in. Does that make sense? Does that can anyone relate to that? That's the question I want to know. Can anyone relate to that? I'm going to pause for just one moment and, you know, let you drop something into the chat. If you can relate to that, give me a yes or a no. And while I'm pausing for one moment, don't forget my best selling book on how to ask questions while auditing. Ask, get, perform. The Auditor's Guide to Asking Better Questions, Getting Better Answers, and Performing Better Audits. It hit the number one spot on Amazon for a hot minute, right? And I took a screenshot of it, of course. Number one best-selling author on Amazon. That's exciting, right? Don't forget to pick up your copy, though, and give it to your entire team. So Clarence is ready. My man Shafundu said that that makes sense to him, too. Yeah, makes a whole lot of sense. So, okay. <clears throat> One reason that your audit recommendations don't matter is because unsolicited advice appears to be intrusive. Now, I said one other thing under that is our relationships aren't strong enough with people yet. But our second reason is their understanding of what we do is not clear. Now, here's what I mean by that. Realistically, we know First, let me ask a question. Has any client ever said to you, <laughs> this is going to make some people chuckle. Has any client ever said to you, who asked you to audit us anyway? Has any client ever said to you, Shifundu, who told you to audit us anyway? Now, I already know the answer is probably yes. We've all heard that at least once in our career. Now, realistically, we know that we're auditing on behalf of the stakeholders. We know that the board has really asked us to perform the audit. So somebody did ask us to audit. But because our clients don't understand our job function, to them, it feels like a stranger is coming in, looking over their shoulder and critiquing them. So to that extent, unsolicited advice from us appears intrusive. So let me know if you can relate to what I've said thus far, because you're on episode number 36 of Audit Bites, and we're talking about five reasons your audit recommendations don't matter. And as auditors, we love to give recommendations, don't we? We love to, but oftentimes we are off base. And here's the second reason our recommendations don't matter. We have an incomplete understanding of our clients' processes. 
we have an incomplete understanding of our clients' processes. You see, we don't have the full context. I know what you're thinking. I've sat down with the client and I've watched them do their job. I've observed everything that they do. So, of course, I have a full understanding of what it is that they do. No, you don't. See, I used to be a business process improvement specialist at one point in my career, and we could sit down and map out everything that they were doing. But there's always some things that are missing. And it took you months to truly get an understanding of the process. Now, could you imagine having to dedicate that much time as an auditor to do all that? You will never understand their process with 100% certainty. Now, Clarence says, no matter what we do, we auditors are the enemy. I don't know, Clarence. Not always, man. I've worked for some places where they've actually valued and respected us. But on a balance of probabilities, to your point, yeah, yeah, on a balance of probabilities. Clarence says he 100% agrees with me that we don't fully, fully understand their processes. Yeah, yeah. Now, Shafundu always makes good points. And he says here, a very common thing with data analytics programs. What I do now is share with the entire audit community that we are analyzing business data and we'll be contacting them throughout if we find something that looks off or that requires some explanation. Yeah, that's the way you're supposed to do it. But bear in mind, no matter how much you communicate with them, they're still going to be nervous because we're in there. So we have to make sure that we develop strong relationships. And if you do that enough over time, you will develop that strong relationship. So that's that's a very good point. So now point number two, we have an incomplete understanding of our clients processes. No matter how much we want to understand them, we'll never get a full and complete understanding. Now, that brings us to my next point which I'm going to go all the way back to the story I told in the beginning. So let me ask you all a question. When my friend saw my hand was swelling beyond belief, what would you have done? I'm going to ask you that question. What would you have done if your hand was swelling beyond belief? <laughs> Mansoor says, the audit guy is here. Look, man, I know I'm dropping some truth bombs, but, I, you know, would you have it any other way? That's the question I would ask. Would you have it any other way? Um, I like to say that with this program, I talk about the touchy topics that no one else will. And I give it to you raw because I think we owe this to you all in the profession to give you unsolicited, real, raw advice. Um, so in perspective, this is just my perspective. You may agree. You may disagree. So now. Five reasons. Your audit recommendations don't matter. Our third reason is, well, sometimes we make the wrong recommendations. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I never make the wrong recommendations. And if you're thinking that, just quit your job. We don't need you around because sometimes we do make mistakes. Let me give you a really good example from my personal experience of us making a mistake. So at one point, I was a chief audit executive and I had healthcare under me. I had hospitals and we were looking at hospital security, physical security at this point. And what we did was we went around to some of the critical areas and we made sure that there were 
well, locked doors, locked entrances and exits. But the other thing we looked for was security cameras. And we noticed that in some of the areas where there should have been cameras, because these were highly sensitive areas, there were no security cameras. And so we did what any good auditor should. We wrote in our report initially, hey, there are no security cameras in these critical areas. And then our recommendation was, you should put in some security cameras. That sounds pretty reasonable and feasible, right? Am I off base here, friends? If we're looking at the security of certain areas where there should be security cameras, and we talked to the security officer, and there were no security cameras there, doesn't that sound like a solid recommendation, especially when the security officer actually agreed with the recommendation? First, he agreed with the issue. Yeah, these are critical areas. Yeah, they should be secured by a security camera. And then he said, yeah, this is a good point. We should have security cameras here. So what do you guys think about my issue and my recommendation here? You think that's a good issue, a good recommendation? Security cameras should be in certain sensitive areas within the organization. I thought it was a solid recommendation, man. I thought we had done our job. So we had a meeting with the security guy and we, 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 we gave him that update. We said, listen, there are certain areas in the organization that have sensitive information or direct access to patients. Those areas should be locked. And they were. Those areas should have security cameras so that we can monitor the activity going in and out. And he looked at us and he said, I agree. So now we presented an issue. We've got an agreement on the issue. We've made a recommendation. All of a sudden, about a week later, he calls me up. He's like, hey, man, I'm not comfortable with the issue that you guys are going to put in the audit report. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. You just agreed to all of this stuff just a week ago. Like, what? What did, did I miss something? What happened here? So here's what he proceeded to tell us. He told us that he had been trying to get security cameras for the last five years. Every year during budget time, he had made a request to get funding to purchase cameras. So now at that point, one of our staff members said, but yeah, it's still an issue. So we're going to put it in the audit report. And at that moment, I said, nope. No, we're not. Hold on. I asked him if he could show me the last five years worth of budget request where he said to management, we need new cameras. And oh boy, he produced the receipts for five years straight. He asked for budget authority to purchase new cameras. So now while we were sitting here about to write as a recommendation, that they purchased security cameras, it would have fallen on deaf ears and this poor man would have been stuck. Instead, when we were still writing recommendations, we recommended that they reassess the budget, determine their priorities, and then consider providing him with budget authority to purchase security cameras. Now imagine how much better that sounded for him and how much easier that made his life. They eventually did get security cameras. But again, sometimes as auditors, we make the wrong recommendations. We make the wrong recommendations, which brings me to point number four. 
Gee whiz. Sometimes our recommendations are not feasible. So let's talk about these cameras again. If we had recommended that they simply install cameras, that wouldn't have been feasible based on the way this gentleman was being treated by the management team at this organization. So we would have had an issue that would have been sitting out there and he would have been to blame when he really wasn't to blame. Now, that's just simply called root cause analysis for internal auditors. But we often miss out on root cause analysis. We often miss out on root cause analysis. Oh, Mansoor said he was talking about the clients when they arrived. The audit guys are here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That, that's what they think when we come in. They're like, they're just here. Why are these people here? What are they doing? What's going to happen? So, Audit Bites, episode number 36. Five reasons your recommendations don't matter. We were on recommendation number four. Sometimes, our recommendations are not feasible. Now, we're going to jump right into the fifth point because I think I've made my point so far. But if I haven't, think about this. Unsolicited advice appears intrusive. And no matter what you think, we appear intrusive to our audit clients. Second reason is we oftentimes have an incomplete understanding of our clients' processes. And that's understandable. We can't have an understanding of everything that they do because we don't live it and breathe it eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. Sometimes we do make the wrong recommendations. Root cause analysis is very hard for, well, just anybody, but especially for auditors, because you have only pieces of the information. Now, that fourth thing was Sometimes our recommendations are not feasible. Sometimes we recommend things that they can't do because of human resource constraints or financial resource constraints, or maybe it's just not a priority. So that leads me to my fifth point. The issues that we observe are more important than the recommendations. You see, back when I was on the playground playing with my friends, the story that I told you earlier, my wrist being swollen was more important than my friend's mm, conclusion that I may have gotten bit by a spider. You see, his observation, his issue was more important than the recommendation that he made to me. You see, I'll take it a step further. If he had just shut his mouth and not even said that I had been potentially bitten by a spider, the more important piece was the issue that he raised, the observation that he had that my wrist was actually swollen to the size of a grapefruit. And so with us, the issues that we observe are more important than any recommendation that we can make. And here's what I challenge you. I've done this before. So before you call me crazy, hear me out. You've heard this entire program. Try writing an entire audit report without a single recommendation. Go back to what we said earlier in the components of an issue an audit issue in a report. You have the issue, the impact, the recommendation, and then the action plan, right? Try just using the issue and the impact. Management's still gonna write their action plan, but it's gonna come from their mouths. It's gonna be what they are going to do to fix the issue. You see, your recommendations don't matter at all. 
No one really cares about them, especially when they conflict with what the management team actually wants to do. And my argument is they stand in the way of you building good relationships with people because no one likes for you to stand on top of a hill and shout down at them what they should do. However, however, if you tell them what you observed objectively, it helps build better relationships because now you don't appear to be the know-it-all. You're just somebody who has objectively observed something and pointing it out to them. Much like how my friend said, hey, man, your wrist is swollen. You probably should go to the doctor. I didn't need him to speculate that it might be a spider bite or whatever else he thought it might be. That was irrelevant. The same way your recommendations are oftentimes irrelevant when you're talking to clients. Now, another great comment. That is why it's important to discuss audit observations with the auditors before making recommendations. It is extremely important, but why do you need to make recommendations? Seriously, why? When you have those conversations with management, they develop their management action plan. Now, if you've done a good job of communicating with them, what you think they should do is probably gonna be embedded in their management action plan anyway. Pick up one of your audit reports. If you've actually done a good job of what you're proposing you do and make recommendations, you're going to start to see some redundancy because you'll see the issue that you've written, the impact that you've written, and then the recommendation that you've written. And then what management is going to say is, yeah, we kind of agree with the auditors. Here's what we're going to do. But certain things that they said we can't do. So in addition to what they said, we're going to do ABC. So now your report is becoming redundant because we're reading the same thing twice. And if we live in an age where we really want to be efficient in our communications, why are we putting something in there twice? Now, I know I probably triggered some people and I'm going to get some hate mail, but give it a try. Look at your reports. If your report is not redundant from what you've recommended and from what management intended on doing in their action plan, then did you do a really good job in your recommendation? I would say the answer is probably no. So now if that is the case, then you should see some redundancy within your report. Prove me wrong on that. That logic you can't argue with. So here's what I'm going to say. Thank you for joining me on episode number 36 of Audit Bites. Don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on your favorite podcasting platform, both for Audit Bites and my other podcast, The Friday Froster. And if you enjoy what I do, give us a five-star rating because I think we deserve it. Now, last but not least, if you need some training, you know who to call. Your company has training needs. You need 40 hours of CPE each year. Why not bring someone in for customized, personalized training for your entire audit staff? That's what I'm here for. My contact information is at my website, thatauditguy.com, or I'm always on LinkedIn. So, with that said, thank you for joining, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching this episode of Audit Bites. If you receive value from this podcast, do us a favor. First, tell other auditors. Second, give us a five-star review. And finally, talk to Robert about training your auditors. Our contact information is on our website, www.thatauditguy.com. It's also where you will find our course catalog, on-demand courses, a kick-butt blog, other podcasts, Robert's best-selling books, and last but not least, audit merch. 
That's right, we have audit hats, shirts, mugs and more. Thanks for watching and listening. See you next episode.